afternoon, guys. How are we doing today? Woo! Oh, I'm so excited that I get to talk to you. Um, before we get started, though, I would like to just honor Pastor Michael and Amanda. Um, my family started coming to this church in a season, um, shortly after we started coming, I was in a season that was very difficult for me, and um, I've experienced freedom under the leadership of Pastor Michael and Amanda, and I'm extremely grateful for that. There was a verse in Jeremiah um, when I was thinking about them that came to my mind, and it says, and I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. And I believe that Pastor Michael and Amanda embody that. So I'm grateful for their faithfulness to the call of God. And I'm grateful for their sharpening and, and seasons where I felt like I was drowning, that you know, Pastor Michael just spoke words of encouragement to me and helped me to get through that time. So I appreciate you guys, and I love you. All right, I just want to, I want to pray before we get started. Lord God, um, I pray that you would take my words, God, that they would not be my words, but that they would be your words, Lord, that they would be timely words, a word spoken in season for your people, God, that your will would be done here in this place today, God. I thank you, Lord, that um, you are here with us in this place, and we love you, God. Amen. So my hope uh, for today, um, what I would like us to walk away with is maybe just breaking up with old mindsets that may have kept us back and thought processes that may have held us back from God's best for our life and come into agreement with what God has spoken over us. So I get to talk to you on the subject of fear and control. Some fear that we have is healthy. I don't want to jump out of a moving vehicle or in front of a moving vehicle. I think that's a healthy fear, right? Um, we're also called to fear the Lord, to have a reverence for him because our God is holy and he is awesome and there, was, there is no one like our God. But there's another type of fear that is demonic. It's full of terror and dread and it causes us to pull back and not move forward into the plan and purpose of God. Um, some of you might know this, most of you um, might not, but I was stationed in the Marine Corps and um, my last assignment was in North Carolina. Now while I was stationed in North Carolina, there was a man stationed all the way across the country in Yuma, Arizona. And after he had gotten back from a deployment, he had received orders for a new assignment in North Carolina. And he kind of struggled with it a little bit because he had a church that he belonged to and he loved his pastor and he, he loved his shop that he worked in. He loved what he did while he was in um, Yuma. But God was calling him to somewhere new. And he, he, he trusted God to get him, um, and he went to North Carolina. You see, I think there's some decisions that we have to make in our lives that don't really carry the same weight as other decisions. Like, what shoes am I going to wear today? Or am I going to wear the pink shirt or the blue shirt? <laughs> That's, 
that's a decision that doesn't carry a whole lot of weight. But there's other decisions that we have to make in our lives that are destiny decisions. And they have the ability to change the trajectory of our life. So he made, um, he made the choice and, and he moved to North Carolina. And he just embraced transi- transitioning to a new place. See, sometimes God will separate us from what we're comfortable with or where we've always been or what we've always known, and he'll bring you somewhere new. But we can always trust the character of the one who is leading us. Now, while he arrived in North Carolina, I was currently at work, and I received a phone call saying that I had a a new Marine to come pick up. So I locked up my shop, and I headed up to the headquarters building, and I was introduced to this new Marine. And little did I know it, but that I would be standing face to face with the man I would eventually marry. So I'm so grateful that he made the choice, embraced, you know, that stretching of discomfort and and went to a new place because otherwise he wouldn't have met me, (laughs) right? (laughs) And I just really believe that God was orchestrating that. He was moving behind the scenes you know, try moving people around to get us where we needed to be when we needed to be there. So although my husband had a preference, God had something better planned for him. God's will is always better than our will. <laughs> there are different seasons and stages in our lives. There is a time and a season for every activity under heaven. Times where old things need to be brought to a close in order for new things to happen. And I think that this could mean even mindsets that are holding us back. Old fears or maybe insecurities or finding our approval in what people say about us over what God has spoken. So it leads me to my first point. Fear um, can cause us to pull back. It can cause us to feel inadequate or insecure like maybe we aren't enough or we're not going to have enough for what God is calling us to do. I look at Moses, and Moses had an assignment on his life. God called Moses to lead his children of Israel out of Egypt. They had been enslaved for over 400 years, and God was sending Moses to deliver them. He was kind of afraid that the people wouldn't believe that God sent him. I think that in those moments, Moses kind of had an identity crisis. He told God, who am I that I should go and lead the children of Israel out of Egypt? But God just promised him that he would be with him. Anything that God is calling us to do, we do not go alone. He promises to be with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. Moses went on to say to the Lord, um, he brought up some excuses and said, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech and of tongue. It's basically saying, I have a physical limitation that's going to keep me from doing what you've called me to do. But then the Lord encouraged him, and and he just told him, hey, I made your mouth. I'm going to be with your mouth, and I'm going to teach you what you should speak. See, although Moses was hesitant, Moses made a choice, and he chose to trust God, and he accepted the assignment that God had for him. There's another man named Gideon who struggled with an assignment that God had for him. When God 
came to Gideon, he told, um, excuse me, when God came to Gideon, Gideon was currently hiding in fear from um, the enemy, and he was threshing wheat in a wine press. I'm not going to go into why you don't do that, but God came to remind him of how he saw him, and he told Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. That's how God sees us. He sees the mighty man and the mighty woman of valor that we are, and he promises that he is with us. Gideon kind of started in with some excuses on why he couldn't go where God was calling him. You see, he was seeing where he came from as a place of insecurity for him. He said, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. He's essentially saying, I'm, I'm insignificant. I'm not, I can't do what you're asking me to do. And I think that we need to have the proper perspective to know who our daddy is. Our, our, our father is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. That He is with us. Our God is with us wherever we go. But it's encouraging to know, I think, when we're having a hard time believing in ourselves, that God believes in us. So although Moses and Gideon struggled with an assignment that God had for them, and their own perceived limitations, they both chose to be courageous. See, we don't have to submit to fear. You might feel the fear and, and just do it anyway. That is courage. God calls us not according to how we may see ourselves, but according to how he sees us. There is nothing about you that is by accident. God created you. He made everything about you, your physical body, your personality. He chose what family you would be born into, and he knew who would raise you. And what we may see as weakness is just the stage for the strength of God to show up in our lives. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So let's remember that any place we may feel deficient in, remember that God's grace is sufficient. Fear is an intimidator. It is a tactic of the enemy to try and make us, sent to try and make us feel like we aren't the right person for the job. But we lack nothing for what we were created to do. And when the enemy comes to try and attack our minds and trying to make us nervous, to try and deter us from what God's calling us to do, we need to remember in this, those moments that we have the mind of Christ, that God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but he's given us a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. We have sound minds. You are the man for the job. You are the woman for the job. Whatever it is that God is calling you to do, he promises. He says that he qualifies the called. God's with you. And he sees, he sees something about us that maybe we don't even see yet. And maybe the people who are around us don't see it, but God sees it. My Bible says, our Bible says that the eyes of the Lord, they roam to and fro throughout the whole earth in order to give strong support to those whose hearts are fully committed to him. 
He wants to show himself strong on your behalf. He wants to give you strong support. So I think if we're going to walk in our freedom, we need to remember who God says we are. And when we have a hold on that identity, I believe that the enemy is terrified of us. And that's why maybe some of you have been experiencing resistance because the enemy knows and he, wa- he wants to stop you. He wants to stop you from doing what God's called you to do. But we do not have to submit to that. And we can take authority and stand our ground, put on the full armor of God. We don't have to submit. We can fight and stay strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. See, Satan works hard to blind people's minds to the truth. He doesn't want us to know who we are. And that's why we need a standard outside of ourselves. And that standard is the word of God. We can stand on who God ha- says we are. So what, what does God say about us? He says that we are a chosen race. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. That we are chosen That we've been bought with a price. We are redeemed and free from condemnation. That we are created in the image of almighty God. We are ambassadors for Christ. He is making his appeal through us. We've been entrusted to be approved with the gospel. We are joint heirs with Christ. We are members of the body of Christ. And we are complete in him. Lacking nothing. And maybe the enemy has tried to tell you that you're a mistake. But before God formed you in your mother's womb, he knew you. And before you were born, he consecrated you and appointed you. God had holy plans for your life. Maybe nobody's, maybe you didn't know that God had a plan for your life. God has God has plans for you, good plans. In Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They're plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. So our security must be found in Jesus. We need to be anchored in him and in his word. If we're tying our stability to anything else, we're tying it to something that's unstable. He promises to be the stability of your times. And I love what he says in the book of Hebrews. He says, I will never under any circumstances desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not, he says. So you are adequate and you are enough because we are in relationship with the one who is more than enough. Our God is the all-sufficient one. He is El Shaddai. He is the God who is more than enough. We're connected to him. We're in relationship with him. So remember, any time maybe we feel unable 
Remember that God is able. He is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we may ask or even think according to his power that's at work in us. God wants to exceed your expectations. God has good plans for your life. That's why we need to be so careful what voice we're listening to. Which leads me to my next point. I think that the enemy likes to disguise himself through criticism. He will even use, the enemy will use people's criticism as a way to try and intimidate you into not stepping into what God's called you to do. And I think that, um, you know, not everybody's going to be able to handle seeing us rise up and be who God's called us to be. And that's why we need to, we're finding our validation in God and what he says about us. That, you know, we don't need the approval of man to do what God's calling us to do. I love what, um, what Paul said. He said, it's a small thing to me to be judged by man's judgment. So I think that God's calling us to really just to make the shift into the next dimension of our lives, to rise up and be who God's called us to be. There becomes a point when we're driving our vehicle where, you know, we can no longer stay in first gear, but we need to make the shift. Otherwise, we're going to ruin our vehicle. So God is calling us into the next dimension. There's a place called Death Valley. And it extends from California to Nevada. And it's known for being one of the hottest and the driest places on earth. It's a little crusty. (laughs) But there was a rare occurrence of a rain. Nobody knew it, but there were millions of dormant wildflower seeds lying in this earth floor. When the rain hit, the conditions became conducive for growth. That's how God sees us. He sees the potential that he's placed down on the inside of us. People may not see it, but this is what God sees. So fear can also manifest as control, which is um, my third point. And it can cause us to take control instead of following the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. When I was in the military, when a platoon would need to move from place to place, there would be a leader out to the side of the platoon calling cadence, which is basically giving instruction to move us around to get us where we need to be when we need to be there. And I think that we can liken this to, the following, to following the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You see, we, we trusted our leader. We trusted the one who is guiding us. And God wants our trust. He wants, wants our hearts. It's the tactic of the enemy to try and make us feel like we can't trust the one who's guiding us. If the enemy cannot keep us from moving forward into God's plan, another tactic of his is to try and get us to get out of rhythm with God and, and move too quickly. Um, that's why God has a pace for us. He wants us to be in rhythm with him, to keep in step with the Spirit. That's why I think it's so important that we embrace the process that God currently has us in. The Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And steps are indicative of process. 
And that process will develop us. It refines our character. It, it develops maturity in us so that we're, mis- we're sustainable in that thing that God's called us. And I think, though, um, even if we have gotten out of step with God, that he accounts for those missteps in, in his plan, and he knows how to redirect us. I think that, um, you know, when we're, when we're in that process, we just honor God where we are currently with our best effort, and it may mean na- saying no to some things that could be keeping us back from God's best. Progress is effort in the right direction. I've learned, um, you know, maybe that might be that I have to say no to a person in order to focus on the thing that God's calling me to do. And I've found that, you know, if we can't say no to someone, it's probably based out of fear of man or rejection. And we can open ourselves up to being manipulated and controlled by that person if we can't say no to them. So we need to be on guard with that. That's a tactic of the enemy as well. It's okay to say no to people. I've found that um, if I'm if I've struggled with obedience, it's probably not. It's probably because I'm not trusting God com- completely with what He's asking me to do, or maybe I think that He's asking too much of me. But we can trust God that He's with us and He's for us. He will never leave us or forsake us. He's good, and He has a good plan for us. I remember um, being in a very difficult season in my life where I was struggling with this idea of obedience, and I really wasn't seeing my father properly. And I was, I had been diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder, and I was overwhelmed with fear and terror, and I was actually afraid of God. (laughs) I remember being in my bathroom, shut up in there, and I was crying out to the Lord and asking him, you know, why why haven't I been healed yet? I'm being obedient. And I remember in that moment that he told me, very gently, because our, our God is gentle, but he just told me, you're being obedient because you're afraid. God doesn't want us afraid of him. Just thinking that he's, you know, going to throw down the hammer in judgment if we screw up. God loves us. There's a scripture, it says that, that we have not received the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. See, there's two different mindsets that we can have in our approach to God. We can approach him out of, um, out of this slavery mindset where he's a harsh taskmaster and, and we just have to do more to earn his approval. But the spirit doesn't lead us by stirring up slavish fear. He leads us by stirring up love, family love. We're part of the family. We're sons and daughters of the Most High God. God wants our hearts. So I was kind of, 
I struggled with how I saw God because I had a past of abuse. And I was looking at the Lord through the lens of, of abuse, and I saw him, you know, angry and judgmental. So it leads me to my last point. How are we seeing our Father? Do we see him as angry and judgmental, or are we seeing him as merciful and forgiving? I, I was terrified of the Lord, and I thought he was waiting, watching, throw, waiting to throw down the hammer in judgment. I walked through that period where I was just immersed with fear, and I had a terrible conscience for all of my rebellious choices, and I didn't understand the provision made for me at the cross. I didn't understand that Jesus shed his blood to cleanse my conscience, to cleanse my guilty conscience from all unrighteousness. And we can allow the blood of Christ to wash over our minds, that we can receive that by faith, that we don't have to, we don't have to walk around burdened by that guilt anymore. See, when we have the right view of our Father, we will feel safe in his presence, not fearful. The Lord is our rock and our fortress and our deliverer. He's our God and our strength in whom we will trust. He's our buckler in the horn of our salvation and our high tower. We can run to him and find safety. We don't have to be afraid. Jesus went to the cross for us on our very worst day. The Bible says that God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. I think that, you know, I kind of struggled with this perfection. Um, like I, I just had to do more to earn God's approval. And I think that if we've ever struggled with per perfection, that we can receive it by grace, by God's grace. The Bible says that he has forever made perfect those who are being made holy. So we can receive that by grace. That's how God sees you. He sees you as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He took all of our unrighteousness upon himself at the cross and he gave us his righteousness. God, he chose you before the whole the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. This is like the days in Noah to me, says the Lord. As I swore that the waters in Noah should no more cover the earth, so now I swear that I will not be angry with you and will not rebuke you. But the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you nor my covenant of peace, says the Lord who comforts you. You see, our sin had made us guilty before God, and guilt is debt. Everyone in here, we all know what debt is. It's something one person owes to another person, and it has to be paid. Only our sin was a debt that we could not pay and that is why Jesus, the perfect spotless blood of the lamb, he came and he bore our punishment. He bore our sins. He took our punishment upon himself and he paid our debt in full. 
The Bible says that he blotted out the handwriting of the ordinances which was against us, which was contrary to us. He took it away, nailing it to his cross. Our record of debt has been paid in full by the blood of the lamb. Jesus, not guilty. We get to walk free because of the blood of Jesus. Before Jesus bowed his head and he gave up his spirit, he uttered the word, tetelestai. It means it is finished. Bill paid in full. There is nothing, absolutely nothing that you could do to earn his approval, that we could do to earn our salvation. God, your bill has been paid in full. He looks at you and he sees the righteousness of God. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We do not have to be afraid of approaching our God, that we can approach his throne of grace with boldness. We don't have to approach him in fear. The wrath of God has been poured out fully and finally on Jesus. It is finished. Lord God, we thank you for shedding your blood for our freedom, God, that we don't have to walk in fear. If there is anyone in here who may not have, have given your life to Jesus, maybe raise your hand just as a sign of surrender. Maybe it's someone online. I encourage you to just let somebody know. I would love to lead you in a prayer and welcome you into the family. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, that there is nothing that we could do to earn our salvation, God. And Lord, we receive that free gift of salvation today. God, we turn from a life of, you know, doing things our own way, our own, our own plan, God. And, and we turn to a life with you, Jesus. God, we thank you for that free gift of salvation in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.